0: Welcome to our weekly devotion. I want to look at the Song of Solomon with you and point out a few things about this book. The book is confusing to some people when they read it and they approach it and don't really know how to make sense of it. And so I'd like to give you a few guideposts to help you navigate this book and see the riches of what it teaches us about Christ's love for his church. It is interesting to note that uh, Jewish rabbis said that you shouldn't read this book until you're 30, meaning that it contains uh, some mature content and you're liable, if you're immature, to misinterpret it and misapply it in your life, um, maybe misunderstanding some of the, the parts that sound erotic and then thinking that's how you should live. And so we want to make sense of it. I'm not suggesting you shouldn't read it until you're 30, but I am suggesting that uh, the book requires... Uh, wisdom and maturity in interpreting. And the first guidepost is just that this is a book about the bride and the bridegroom. And it's about monogamous love between a man and a woman. And Solomon, someone said to me, who is Solomon to write a book like that? Well, you could say he's the best uh, person to write a book like that because he of all people knows about the alternatives having had uh, 700 wives and 300 concubine or maybe that's reversed um, and yet having had that he still longs for monogamous love and he writes this song about monogamous love and that's of course the way it was from the beginning in Genesis chapter 1 27 we're told God made man male and female and we know that marriage was made between one man and one woman and that ideal is Beneficial for many reasons in individual human life, in married human life, in children's lives, in society. But and so all those are true, but that is not the highest reason for marriage. The the highest reason is that marriage represents to us God's love for his people. And marriage teaches us about what God will do for his people. And so that theme of marriage is found throughout the whole of Scripture, not just in Song of Solomon or Genesis chapter one but we see it all the way through scripture. We see that uh, when Israel is unfaithful, they're likened to an adulterous wife. And then we see that at the very end of the book in Revelation, the uh, summation of history is described as the lamb's wedding feast, the church is the bride of Christ. So the theme of the Song of Solomon is very common one throughout scripture, but it's speaking to us as a poem Written from first person perspective, about the desires within marriage, and the 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 desires of marriage are are right and good. We don't want to make uh, sort of like I guess what some might say is over spiritualize, meaning that you you think marriage should just be a kind of intellectual friendship, um, and is disembodied. Versus saying no, we're a body soul unity, and marriage is both. Uh, soul or spirit but also a physical and there's nothing wrong with that that's exactly how it should be and so we'll see some descriptions here about that kind of passion and that kind of love and it it reminds us (coughs) excuse me it reminds us that we're to have that kind of uh, a passionate seeking for the lord that's the second guidepost i want to tell you about is (coughs) as we look at how the bride confesses her love here. She is longing for the bridegroom and looking for the bridegroom, wanting to find the bridegroom. And then Solomon praises the bride compared to other women and declares his love for her. In Between the two, in between he and she or the bride and the bridegroom, you have a chorus, it's called, of others who are commenting on the relationship. And they kind of uh, give us a a third-person look at how this relationship is beautiful. We exalt and rejoice in you. We extol your love more than wine. Rightly, do they love you. It sort of reminds you in Revelation of how the angels look on. At the way history is unfolding, the way that Christ is loving his bride, and they praise God for it. And so there's these descriptions that are um, uh, of very physical descriptions, right? Like this one here about the king is on his couch, the fragrance, and the myrrh, uh, and we're going to get the specific descriptions of Jerusalem coming up and the kinds of fragrances used at the Temple Hill. So The fragrances aren't just sort of random like, hey, my my, uh, husband or my wife smells like Calvin Klein Cologne. It's specific kinds of fragrances that relate to what goes on at the Temple. I want to look at um, one more guidepost with you in this segment again describing their love for each other and using um, good poetic imagery using particular kinds of imagery to res- represent something that we can all relate to and then in uh, has this desire my beloved is mine and i am his this desire for that intimacy and in in marriage that's expressed in sexual intimacy now sexual intimacy can be uh, emptied of that intimate of that closeness meaning you could you could desecrate sex and make it just a physical action but the idea in marriage is that it's that intimacy that produces that union or is the product of that union and represents the the closeness uh, of that love And then this, this dream, the third piece I want to tell you about is this dream, because for some commentators, this is uh, questionable. They're not sure how to fit this in there, but you see, she, she has this dream of the bride that she can't find the bridegroom. And so she's going throughout the whole city looking for the bridegroom and the watchmen find her and they're saying, she asks them, have you seen them? Um, and scarcely had I passed by them when I found him who my soul loves, I held him and would not let him go. And so this dream almost initially having a fear, like a fear of a nightmare is of what it, it, I think it represents the fear of the Lord in the sense of what if you couldn't find God? What if you're looking for God and you couldn't find him? Would you seek everywhere to know God? <clears throat> so it makes perfect sense that the bride would look for the bridegroom if she thought he she couldn't find him. And yet she tells the daughters of Jerusalem not to awaken love until it pleases. In other words, this is not like being desperate for a boyfriend, where she just, you know, has to find a boyfriend somewhere. She says, no, this is not that. Don't awaken love until it pleases. But this is the bride. And this is the bridegroom, not just someone who needs a relationship and she's looking for him. And so again, we can think about that and the fear of the Lord. Do we fear losing the Lord? And do we look for him with this same de- devotion that we hear? And then the next section of chapter three is Solomon arriving for the wedding. And again, uh, for some people, this, this uh, poses a problem because they think that the bridegroom is just another shepherd boy and Solomon is, is still part of the dream as an ideal type of the lover. Uh, but I do think this is between Solomon and the Shulamite, the woman here. And so you have this description then of the splendor of Solomon. Think about the description of Christ uh, in revelation. You have that same thing here and you have the myrrh and frankincense, just like you have, they're presented to Christ and that are used at the temple or to anoint a body. And Solomon is arriving in his splendor and his glory, Um, and again, it makes us think, look upon Solomon here representing Christ with the crown which his mother crowned him on the day of his wedding and the day of the gladness of his heart. So Solomon is joyful at the idea of this marriage, and it's a small picture, even though it's glorious, of Christ returning for that wedding supper of the Lamb. He's the king, he's the ruler, and he's coming to take his bride who's been washed white as snow. So, three points here, three guideposts. We're going to pick up again next time, continue going through Song of Solomon. But, three things to keep in mind as we read through this book, and I hope it increases our love for this book and our understanding of this book and of Christ's love for his church and of the imagery of a wedding throughout scripture.